Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. All right, uh, welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. Uh, today's going to be a little bit shorter episode just because there's so much going on and I'm going to have another show up for you either tonight or tomorrow depending on how things go. But uh, right now is kind of the time to dig into this Oregon-Colorado matchup one final time before they take the field at 8 o'clock Mountain Time. 7 o'clock here in Eugene tonight, uh, Friday night on FS1, where for the second half of the game, it will be the only game on national television, which is a huge opportunity for Colorado. See what they can do with it. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, I do want to talk a little bit more about our friends at Drift Car Sharing. Drift Car Sharing is incredible, uh, and that's kind of where it starts, you know, I've, I've talked about before, I really wanted to try it out because it does seem like such a good deal. Was not able to because of how how tight all of this time has been. It's been a wild couple of days. But um, the point of drift car sharing is that you can drop your car off at the airport and they will clean it, rent it out, insure it so that nothing can go wrong and give it back to you. And so instead of paying to park your car, you get cash for giving them your car for a couple days and they insure it so you don't really have to worry about anything anyway uh even if they can't rent it out and you don't make any money for renting it out again you still don't have to pay for parking but also they will clean your car inside and out if you want to check it out then go to drivedrift.com and they'll give you more information you can see if your car is eligible all of that kind of stuff it's pretty awesome okay uh, back to Oregon, which is where I am after uh, a hell of a day yesterday. Uh, set my alarm for 2.45, got up, made it to the airport, uh, flew to Salt Lake City, flew to Portland, uh, hung out in Portland with my friend from, uh, she actually went to school at Oregon and is, she graduated when I did and she's getting an awesome job. Sounds like, uh, Probably shouldn't give away the details because they still haven't offered. But it means that I will get to see Maggie more in my life covering the buffs, which is pretty cool. Um, So yeah, we hung out, checked out Portland, and then I caught a train from Portland to Eugene. And before I knew it, it was midnight again, and I had gotten no sleep. So I kind of slept in a little bit today, which is awesome, and I'm ready to go for uh, the day. I did forget the point of that story uh, was that on the flight from Salt Lake City to Portland, I ran into a couple Buffs fans. 
and one of them was wearing our homegrown Phil Lindsay shirt. So I, I like asked him about it, and it turns out he's a podcast listener. So that's pretty cool. We are everywhere. Uh, I did not check if we got to 30 countries, though, but I'm really excited for that. That's going to be an awesome moment. Okay, uh, but now that I have recapped my last day and how wild that's been, it's time to talk about Oregon a little bit more. You know, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about just the, the matchups. You know, Justin Herbert versus the Buffs' depleted secondary. The Oregon wide receivers against the Buffs' depleted se- secondary. A, a, a Buffs' front seven that has been pretty strong against a front seven from Oregon that is one of the best in the country. You know, when you look at all of these matchups, they they all point toward Oregon. You know, the line moved again today. It's up to like, I think, 21 and a half. Uh, it's just kind of like eking away from the buffs. And bef- before we even get into predictions and stuff, I will say that if you have the option to bet on that line, I would definitely take Colorado. That is too many points. That's too many points for any Pac-12 game, in my opinion. Uh, it's all just so random. It's, it seems more random than any other conference who wins. You know, if a team is talented enough to win 90% of the time against another team, they're going to win like 80% of the time. And that's something that we've seen throughout this year, throughout this entire conference. And it's part of the reason why the Pac-12 is so exciting. It's also part of the reason why the Pac-12 won't have a team in the college football playoff. I don't know if this is because of like the Pac-12 after dark stuff, whether the teams just straight up aren't good enough, as good as their counterpoint parts in the other Power 5 conferences. You know, whether... I don't know. I don't know. But that's kind of what I've seen. So if I was betting, uh, I would take Colorado for sure. I'm not, though, because I don't know how, honestly. But, uh, you know, that that line is scary, but it's just the culmination of all of these matchups kind of adding up and pointing toward Oregon. But none of them, I, I don't think, are too decisively toward Oregon. It's just that they're consistently winning all of the matchups on paper. And and that's really where you can be a little more optimistic about this team, where you could pick a win. Because, sure, Oregon's offensive line has been great, but their running game you know, hasn't been a, a, a premier running game by any means. And Colorado shut down Arizona last week in the running game, gave up 3.3 yards per carry to a team that has been running the ball for 200, 300 yards a game. Who knows? I mean, it 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 is. I would still lean toward Oregon kind of controlling the game when they want to run the ball, but that isn't definite by any means. You know, Nate Landman, John Van Deest, if they get Jalen Sammy back, that'd be huge. Then those guys can kind of clog things up in the middle, force them outside, and these aren't the prototypical Oregon backs that you're just trying to keep from getting outside because they are those little speed guys. I really think that that's a matchup that Colorado could win. And then you go to the passing game where it's easy to say that Colorado just straight up doesn't have the guys to compete. You know, it it sounds like they'll probably get Mikhail Onu back just because he hasn't been talked about in the same way as the others. And he did come back for the last couple snaps. And now that I think of, I do think I did see a day to day on him, but you know, I, I think I would guess that he's one who's more near to returning than some of the others. So you get him back, you're still missing your other starting safety. Um, you're 
you're down your second and third corners, which means that you're playing your fourth and fifth, who are young guys. I think the fourth, fifth, sixth have combined for, uh, we talked about this yesterday, but 72 total snaps in college football among them. And 69 of those 72, no, 67 of those 72 were KJ Trujillo last week against Arizona in his first start. True freshman. You know, they don't have the size there anymore. Not that they had a whole lot of size to begin with, but that's uh, straight up. That is the weakest cornerback group in the Pac-12 at the moment, I would be willing to guess. Not not that I've been following all of the injuries super closely, but I'd be willing to bet. Delrick Abrams, by the way, I don't want this to be a knock on him. I've been very impressed. I, I think that he has definitely improved his game over the course of the season, and that's what you want to see. And now I think this will be a real test for him. I think that over the next few weeks, he he's going to be almost ignored on that side of the field by opposing quarterbacks. They're just going to throw at the younger guys, as they should, and they'll throw at the middle of the field, which other teams have done with success over the last, I mean, all this entire season. But I think that Delrick has made it to the point where at least in this situation, and maybe if they did have a couple guys back, that quarterbacks would be scared of throwing to his side of the field. Now they probably won't, and that means fewer opportunities for Delrick Abrams to make a play. This is a playmaking defense. This is a defense where they're trying to get the ball out, they're trying to pick passes off, and they kind of have to play that way because they aren't getting stops unless they're getting turnovers. So, when you have a guy like Delrick Abrams, who I don't... Does he have one interception? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, he's, he hasn't been one of the guys who's really showed up in the turnover stats, but I think that he could. I do think that he is one of the playmakers on this defense, and he's going to lose a few opportunities. That means that he needs to cash in when he does get an opportunity, and that's something that I'm going to be looking for today. You know, when you have a senior in the position he's in, when, when the ball comes toward him, he needs to step up. Those can't be completions. You have to have him lock down that field so you can push the linebackers, push the safeties just a little bit over toward helping those younger guys. So that's definitely something that I'm going to keep an eye on today is how does Delrick Abrams look? Does he look like he can at least be a, a good number one if the number two and number three are pretty raw? Uh, all that said, the Oregon passing tack, it's, it's been efficient, it hasn't been great, though. <laughs> it hasn't been all that impressive. This is a defensive team. This is a grind the grind the clock, grind out the off other opposing offense team, and that means they don't throw the ball quite as much. Justin Herbert, I'm not sure what he's averaging, but it's right around 250 yards a game, I'd guess. Not what you'd expect from a potential top three pick in the draft, potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft. They just haven't asked him to do that. He He's thrown the ball to his tight end a lot. I want to say 352 yards to uh, Breland, the tight end. He's kind of the threat you have to watch out for with Oregon. But I mean, I think the next top, I think their top three st- uh, receivers this week, the three that they listed as starters, have combined for uh, not 450, like 427 yards or something like that this season. That's not a lot from your top three receivers. It's, it's going to be a battle. and I mean, losing those cornerbacks may not make like the, the talent gap between Oregon and Colorado wider. It might actually make it a little bit closer in the passing game. 
I mean, it definitely flips who has the advantage. I'd still take Oregon's receivers against the Buffs' corners, but I think before, that was the other way around, and it might have been the other way around by a, a semi-wide margin. It's tough to say that, though, when they're giving up these big plays, but like Mel Tucker said this week, they cut out five plays. I think he said eight plays, but they really didn't need to cut out that many. If they cut out those five or eight plays, whatever, then all of a sudden this is a very, very good defense. And it's just working toward getting rid of those. Th- that makes it really hard to evaluate them. Uh, it'd be easy to say that they're just bad, but any sort of evaluation that you're making just binary good or bad isn't going to be a strong evaluation. You know, everybody, every football player, every person even just has strengths and weaknesses. And for this buff secondary, they their strength well, it's tough to say exactly what their strength is. Their their weakness, though, is very obvious, is that they're just giving up these big plays. Strength-wise, I guess you could you could point to the turnovers, led by Mikhail Onu for sure. Um, I don't think that they've been bad tackling. They've had a lot of opportunities to tackle. But, you know, it's just cleaning up that one weakness, getting that to average, and then they're pretty average in what they do throughout, plus they can pull some turnovers, and that puts your football team in a good spot. Um Against Justin Herbert, though, that's going to be tough to do. Uh, even though he hasn't put up the big numbers, he has been fairly efficient. You know, 15 touchdowns, one interception is the stat that I keep calling back to, remembering that, I mean, they're they're good. They're, they're good. They just aren't doing that a lot. So, you know, again, that's a matchup just like in the running game where on paper you say, yeah, Oregon probably wins that. But they don't win it by as much as I think people want to say they do just because they are the 13th ranked team because they have come out on top. Could you imagine, though, Colorado just pulls it together for one more drive against Arizona, comes back and scores in overtime against Air Force? You know, this is really close to being a very different team. And you have to point out, you know, Nebraska missed a field goal in overtime. Sure, it was like their third kicker, so that's a little bit predictable, but... There are what-ifs throughout college football. Who knows how much of the whole good teams win big games, good teams win games, they come through in the clutch, you know, close games go to the better team. Who knows how much of that is actually based on being the better team and how much is just kind of random. You know, the it's easy to see the gap between Oregon and Colorado, but I do think that when you... It's, it's the culmination of a bunch of little gaps, little battles that Colorado could win. And that's their path to victory is, you know, not not getting run over by Oregon, not blowing big plays or allowing big plays by blowing coverages. Then all of a sudden, this is a competitive game because on the other side of the ball, if, if the Buffs were its full strength, which is frustrating, um, I, I think that that could be a pretty tight battle. Um, before we dig into that just a little bit more, though, I do want to take a break to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. And I'm in Oregon, and that means I'm really missing my Breckenridge beers. Feels like today would have been the perfect time, you know, killing time up until 7 o'clock here when the game starts, 8 o'clock there, in Mo- or not in Montana, in Colorado. Uh, you know, have a beer, get ready, uh, head out to the buffs tailgate before the game the the dnvr buffs the blake street tavern tailgate and have a breckenridge beer (sighs) i miss it i miss it 
you know, I still haven't gotten out to the stadium and stuff. I'm sure you'll see on Twitter when I get out there, though, because there will be pictures and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure it'll be a really cool game day environment. Everybody says that it's great. Otson, I'm sure, is awesome. It just feels like Folsom is where the buff should be playing, though. I just, with the tailgate and with Ralphie, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little low on everything but Boulder right now, especially having spent just a couple minutes in Eugene. Uh, the point is, though... What I really want is a Breckenridge beer, and I'm sure I could use the beer locator here to find it, but that's not the kind of effort I'm going to go to to get an afternoon beer before I have to go to work. Uh, and that's just, that's just the truth. Also want to tell you about Vita Mobile IV, which is an awesome service if you do drink too many Breckenridge beers. Um, got a little hangover. Then the next day, you just call up Vita Mobile IV. They'll send somebody to your house like a nurse or something, to your house with an IV filled with hydrating fluids, I guess. I don't really understand how it works, but you don't have to. And I don't have to when I use it because you just sit there, they put the IV in your arm, and all of a sudden they get rid of your hangover. Again, it's kind of like magic. And we're going to talk about StravaCraft later, also pretty much magic. Pretty awesome, though. Uh, Not as expensive as you'd think, and it makes you feel... A-okay, and they'll come to your office, to your dorm room. Um, it'd be kind of weird to bring them to the office, just like admitting that that's where you're at and you're also supposed to be working. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. And if you use the code HYD20, then you can get 20% off your first IV from Vita Mobile IV, which makes it, obviously, an even better deal. So, if uh, things go well for the buffs and you're celebrating tonight, you need to function a little bit better Saturday, or you just hate the feeling, call it Vita Mobile IV. Or, no, let's not even talk about the loss. Uh, okay, uh, back in to uh, this preview of the Colorado-Oregon game. Again, we're just kind of going over the bigger themes. You know, we talked about all these small matchups, like who's going to win, all that kind of stuff the last couple days. But today I want to go a little more broad and talk about what does all of this really mean? And we finally got into it later in that segment, and that's kind of what I want to focus on with this Buffs offense. Because it's it's easy to say that this Buffs offense is one of the best in the Pac-12. I mean, it's, it's easy to see how it could be the best in the Pac-12. But again, we're kind of just living off of the potential right now. We haven't seen too many, I don't know if we've seen any complete games and when we did, maybe you want to call Arizona State a complete game. They still didn't do it without LaVisca Chenault. I don't think that we've really seen what this offense is capable of. And, you know, that can be exciting because maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe a month or two from now, we do get to see the full force of the Colorado offense with a redshirt senior quarterback with some of the best receivers in the country with an improved offensive line, setting up the running game, protecting the quarterback, tight ends who are contributing offensively. You know, it's easy to see how all of this could come together, but just as easy as it is to see that, it should be frustrating to think that we are coming up on the midway point of this season and we still haven't seen it. You know, it's 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 makes sense in some ways. They have the new scheme, they Jay Johnson admits that you, you don't just step in somewhere new and become a great play caller. 
you have to work at it. You have to learn how all the pieces fit. You have to do all these different things and kind of feel it out before you get into a rhythm. Now we're coming up on the halfway point of the season and it's about time to find that rhythm. It's about time to consistently be the offense that Colorado can be. And, you know, you could knock Jay Johnson. I don't know how long it takes. You know, I've never been in his shoes calling plays, especially for a Division I offense. But, you know, if it seems like if it was going to take more than half the season to get everything implemented offensively, a little heads up in camp saying, you know, this might not be the year. And, you know, there was some of... I Was there much of that? There wasn't too much of that. Like, you know, it's going to be a building process. You heard it, but you also heard equally, we have the guys to win right now. And I agree. I think they do. And I think that Jay Johnson can call the plays. And I think that they have picked up the offense enough to make this one of the best offenses in the Pac-12. And we've seen it in flashes. We've seen it for drives, for quarters, even for halves. You could say that Arizona State game, even though they weren't at full force, but there were still some mistakes in there as well. The You, you just, at some point, need to see it all come together. And there would not be a better time to see it all come together than tonight against Oregon. Uh, be, for, for a bunch of reasons, but mostly because this is probably, I think, the toughest team that Colorado will face the rest of the way. I could say Utah, I think Oregon or Washington's kind of becoming less of a strong take in that regard. But this is probably the toughest game of the season for Colorado. And the way the offense has been playing, you know, on for the first half, off for the second half, flip it, or maybe it's just random series throughout. It's it's gotta it's gotta come together. And it needs Katie Nixon and LaVisca Schnault. You know, Tony Brown, I, I love him. I think that he is going to be an NFL receiver. I don't know whether he's going to be like an NFL star, but he's a guy who teams are going to want to have because he is so talented, because he seems to just get the game of football. He knows how to do his job, and that plays well uh, in the NFL. It'd be nice if he was your third option. Having an NFL guy as your third option, incredible. Or even his second option. Maybe you put KD as your number three option. Who knows? Against a team like Oregon that, you know, they do have the advantages when their offense is on the field, you're going to need to be able to keep up. And we will see if that happens. You, you know, LaVisca Schnault would be huge for so many reasons. The, the ability to keep the offense on time by targeting a big body is incredible you know he's a guy who the the window's just a little bit bigger to get him the ball there's more room for error and on third downs fourth downs if it comes to that that's so huge but also when Oregon has Troy die in the middle of that defense it's gonna be tough to throw across the middle of the field and there's been quite a bit of that from Steven Montez you know he has the arm to get outside it isn't a problem with his ability to throw out routes like it is for a lot of college quarterbacks and he can get it downfield up up the sidelines too there is a little bit of a reliance on guys who are coming across the middle because that that usually is the weakness of a defense like it is with Colorado there aren't many linebackers who can cover sideline to sideline who are that fast and physical enough to keep on the field to play the run you know it's it's just so rare to see that skill set you see it in the NFL too you see where there just aren't many guys who have that skill set. 
and that can be frustrating when you're on defense. But what's even more frustrating when you're on offense is when the opposing team, for the first time this season, has a guy like Troy Dye, who is that guy, who's a fourth-year starter, 6'4", 226, I think. And, you know, he was a safety in high school, and that's what he got recruited to do at Oregon. But then they figured out that he could play the run. And all of a sudden, a guy who can play zone coverage deep is a lot more valuable if he can play zone coverage in the middle of the field. And that's his strength. And he will shut down everything over there. He makes plays. He's one of the best linebackers in the country. And it's going to be tough to throw in the middle of the field. That's why you need a guy like LaVisca Chenault who can make those tougher throws easier outside, who can stretch the field deep. It's 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 not easy to beat this Oregon defense. That's why they're giving up the fewest points in the Pac-12. That's why they're giving up, you know, in any stat you want to pull, they're a top 10 defense in the country. And there aren't many defenses that do that, which means they're probably a top five defense themselves. It's not going to be easy to score points on them. But the Colorado offense, you know, we've talked about that ceiling. Can they be a top 15, top 10 offense in the country? Because it kind of makes sense. If Steven Montez is on his game, if the offensive line is clicking that day, then you have some of the best weapons. LaVisca Chenault, Katie Nixon, Tony Brown. You just have to figure out how to put all those pieces together. And today would be an incredible time to do that. Uh... We'll see if they can. You know, we haven't even touched on that front seven from Oregon that's caused havoc all year. They lose Gus Cumberlander to a season-ending injury. And that makes them weaker, but one of their strengths has been their depth. So, who knows? They have the freshman, the true freshman, uh, Thibodeau, who is the—he was the best high school player in the country, according to college coaches, according to scouts. And now he's playing for Oregon, and you see why. He's raw. He's very raw, but he's big and he's fast and he's physical. And sometimes pass rushing skills don't matter when you can just maul the guy in front of you, run by the guy in front of you. And we'll see if he can do that. You know, luckily for Colorado, I think their strengths are their tackles, William Sherman and uh, Arlington Hambright. But again, they're getting tested by this Oregon front seven more than they've been tested by any team this season. And that's why Oregon's so good. That's why the the line is a little over three touchdowns because you can see when when Colorado throws the ball, I think that Colorado, that might be their one edge in this game. The one that on paper you say, yeah, they should win that. Sure, the Ducks are bringing back three of their starting corners. Those three combined for 11 interceptions last year. It's not that they have a bad secondary. It's just that their front seven is kind of what they're known for. And... Their pass rush is kind of what they're known for, which kind of balances that out. And we know what happens to Steven Montez when he is pressured. So maybe that is closer to a wash. But then when the Buffs run the ball, it's going to be tough to run the ball on this big defensive line with a 322-pound, 6'1", 322 nose tackle, just clogging up everything in the middle. And then speed guys outside and a middle linebacker, inside linebacker, who can mirror your running back and make plays because he is just so fast. You know, that's that's another matchup that you give to Oregon. So Oregon wins the when or, Oregon wins the Oregon passing game, the Oregon rushing game and the Colorado rushing game and maybe that Colorado passing game 
you, you have to hope that on paper that edge goes to Colorado. Um, it might not, but that's where you need a couple guys to step up. And it's going to be really tough if everybody is sitting out today, which I haven't heard anything about. And I wish I could tell you something. Uh, also worth noting, uh, something totally unrelated, but I just realized because I was thinking about Twitter. Yesterday, running back, uh, I'm pulling up his name. I'm, st- I'm not great with all these names. But uh, he's a running back from Louisiana. He's the top-rated running back in the state, the ninth-rated running back in the country. Uh, he keeps posting pictures with uh, Alvin Kamara, and he's getting some Alvin Kamara comps too. So that's a, that's a pretty good place to be. He was, he's been offered by pretty much everybody. Uh, he's been offered by uh, Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU still kind of seems like the favorite. Uh, you name it, he's pulled the offer because he is that type of player. Um, but, oh, Ashad Clayton, there we go. He doesn't put his name in his Twitter profile, which kind of bothers me. Um, that doesn't matter nearly as much as how talented he is. He's fast, he's strong, he's a little bowling ball. Um, he can make guys miss. Uh, 24-7 Sports has him as a nine three nine seven prospect. Which is pretty good. They put him as the 11th best running back. Not quite as good. Uh, The point is, yesterday, Colorado gave him an offer. And also, he said that he is visiting Colorado November 8th. And he wants to have his decision made by the end of his high school football season. So there's a good chance that Colorado will be the final school to get a chance to talk to one of the best running backs in the country. Somebody who's being recruited by all of the big schools and you know still probably a stretch but good to hear it's exciting news uh could you imagine adding him to this class especially if they do pull uh brendan rice Whew. that's a uh, that's that's a hell of a class if everything breaks their way for the next month that's not how recruiting works though we are slowly getting into it it's it's kind of fun um before i get to your guys's comments I want to talk about Strava Craft Coffee. And Strava Craft Coffee is awesome because it infuses CBD into your coffee. So you still get like the caffeine like functionality that comes from that. But also it's it just has that like, you know, snake oil gets a bad name because it's kind of turned into like the joke. Like it doesn't really actually do anything. But this actually does do something. It, it does something different for everybody and just has that little bit of something in there, the CBD that can help with anxiety, can help with soreness, can help with depression, can help with all these different things. And it's not psychoactive. You're not going to get high off of it because that's not how it works. But if you want to try it, you can get 20% off with the code BSN2019 and they'll ship it to your door. Plus, it's good coffee. You know, it's it's worth checking out especially with the discount just to see if it's something that works for somebody like you and whatever is your if you have some sort of issue or even if you don't realize you do sometimes it'll just make something better that you didn't know that you needed to be better okay i kind of vamped there at the end because i'm trying to pull up these questions but it's a little bit slow okay here we go so the first one from silver buff not not quite the ray of sunshine that sunny rain might be. Don't know. Silverbuff says, Oregon is putting up 40-plus on our basically walk-on DBs. 
Um, I could see it. <laughs> I don't think that that would surprise anybody. You have to hope that they step up, that somebody gets an interception, that the pass rush gets going. Maybe Mustafa Johnson comes back. But yeah, I mean, I haven't looked through exactly who's a walk-on, who's on scholarship. But, you know, Uriah Hudson, the he's played one snap, which is the third most of any cornerback at this point. He'll probably see the field. And he is a walk-on. Um, opportunities for these guys, you never know. Maybe somebody steps up when they get a chance to get on the field. But, yeah, I mean, Oregon on paper wins that matchup. Still got to play the game, though. And that's kind of where a lot of the Colorado thoughts have to be today. Still have to play the game. Don't get too down before the game even starts. Uh, this one comes in from Sunny Rain, who says, Kirk Cousins would definitely be Montez's ceiling, LOL. I kind of think the Paxton Lynch comparison is just brutal. I can't do that to Steven. Paxton was a rock mentally. I'm sorry. Plus, he simply didn't care until he saw his career diving off a cliff. Or cliff. I have to give Montez more than that. Yep. I think, I think that if you do say that Montez is Paxton Lynch, you have to emphasize that he is Paxton Lynch physically and not mentally because that's where all the issues are. Same thing as if like you said, oh, he's kind of like physically Tom Brady, then I mean you're you're not saying all that much because most of what Tom Brady does is mental. You know, for for some quarterbacks that distinguish distinguishment is more important. And like Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's all he's solid physically, he's solid mentally, nothing really special either way easy to make that comparison if you're comparing to Paxton Lynch you do have to say Paxton Lynch physically not mentally emotionally all that kind of stuff okay LaVisca Chanel has been compared to Julio Jones I think that's a bit generous just on size and speed Julio is LaVisca physical LaVisca isn't Julio fast for me, Chenault is a slightly faster Anquan Bolden. Okay, I, I could see that. Uh, Bolden was as tough as they came. He was a very clutch player who you always went to in big moments. Defenses knew he was coming. He'd beat them anyhow, mostly with physicality. Yeah, I, I think that that's another good comp. Um, I do think that Julio's probably a little faster. I'd, I'd love to see like the 40 times. I don't know. We don't have to dig into that right now. But yeah, Julio definitely is a little bit faster. Chenault might I mean you have to remember that this is Chenault at 22 21 he just turned 21 that's right um he could get a little stronger if if Julio is LaVisca physical there's room for a little growth there maybe maybe LaVisca gets a step faster I doubt it he's already the fastest player on this football team which is pretty crazy but uh yeah I think that that's fair I think that that's uh putting Julio ahead of him for those reasons makes sense and Quan Bolden I like that comp as well game prediction turnovers kill Montez and the offense Oregon plays on short fields all night and prevails 31 14 man I hope I'm crazy I hope you're crazy too because uh, that would not be a fun game to watch and uh, you know I could definitely see it you have to hope they don't turn the ball over because that's when we're talking about how they can win these matchups, a lot of it is just pulling a turnover somewhere and just flipping that just a tiny bit, uh, making a couple big plays, whether it's sacks, whether it's tackles for loss, whether it's uh, you know breaking a tackle that turns a five-yard run to a 15-yard run, you know all these little things. But Colorado cannot afford to turn the ball over tonight. Luckily, I think Steven Montez has done pretty well avoiding turnovers. The Buffs in general have done well avoiding turnovers this season. 
Oregon's tough, though. The, the toughest team they've played so far and possibly the toughest team. I mean, I, I'd be willing to say the toughest team that they will play this season. Uh, and they're in Eugene, and it's a Friday night game, not something that a lot of players are accustomed to. It's like an 8 o'clock start, and the, the, the biological clock that they're used to, I think that that... I still don't know exactly what that means. I think it might mean something else. Okay, but the the point is... Everything does need to break Colorado's way for them to win this game. And that, that starts with them getting Mikhail Onu, getting Mustafa Johnson, getting Katie Nixon and LaVisca Chenault back from injury. And we'll see if they, they do that. There's a chance. Definitely can't write it off. Um, I think everybody wants that to happen just because the game would be a lot more fun. Maybe they hold them out another week, get them all the way back. Maybe they aren't totally ready today. I don't know. We don't know. But that's where it starts, and then you got to get out there and play the game. Um, I definitely agree. Like, if I'm making a prediction, I'm saying Oregon wins. I'm saying, I can't remember what I said on that video that I published, which means I have to be totally honest right now, straight off the top. Hopefully, it lines up. I'd say something like 34 17 that Oregon wins, which I think is actually not, I say it, pretty similar to what Sonny Rain said. I think we're in that same. Uh, yeah, he said 31-14, so I just gave him each an extra field goal. I could see that. I could see Colorado kind of coming back. I like 34-17 or 34-24. I think that the question is whether they get the other touchdown. Um, either way, the the Ducks don't cover the spread, uh, which means that Colorado is better than they're getting credit for, which who cares about the consolation prizes to be honest uh but i bet you guys might make a couple bucks off of that so we like when good things happen to you because you help us out one way you could do that is to subscribe to the dnvr.com uh you get to comment share your voice like sunny rain and silver buff do and i love it and i would love to hear from more of you uh because that's what makes this more fun um yeah, so do that. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, we really appreciate those. Uh, the Nuggets guys actually read all of their reviews that they get on iTunes. It's like their ploy to get people to say things about them. Some of them are like really nice and some of them are not. And I don't know. I, <laughs> I they, they read them all. And I'm not sure if I'm willing to commit to doing that, but I will be tempted. Um, maybe we'll figure something like that out. Uh, appreciate the reviews, though. Really... Like, we live off of the subscriptions, obviously. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. I'll have some cool stuff from Oregon tonight. Hopefully, the Buffs make it a game. Um, maybe they pull it out. We'll see. I don't think that they're totally out of this. Like, I think some people do. Because it's the Pac-12. And this is one of the best offenses in the Pac-12. And it's still one of the best in the Pac-12, even without Katie and LaVisca, even though it would be great to have those two on the field today okay i think that's it for today i'll be back maybe tonight with a post-game podcast probably not because we're not gonna get out of media until like midnight and then i need to write something so probably tomorrow i'm not sure when tomorrow because i'm gonna be in airports all day and train stations maybe i could find like an empty train car and do one from the train on the way from eugene to portland that'd be a lot of fun probably doesn't work uh, I bet if I started recording a podcast, though, everybody would leave that car. So maybe I just give it a run. Okay, um, I'll be back with that. Stay tuned to thednvr.com, and I will see you tomorrow.
send some good vibes to the buffs today. They're they're gonna need it. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competence and see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey.